Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody, Mike Moynihan here and welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. With me as always, or at least as mostly, Andy Davis. Andy, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you tonight? Well, I'm good. Uh, we're in the middle of, you know, playoff baseball, which is kind of fun to be a part of. We're, the finals will be over tomorrow. We're recording this on a Wednesday and the NBA finals should be over tomorrow, I would think. Uh, you thinking Lakers or Heat? Oh, I mean, I think with all the injuries, it's got to be the Lakers, right? I would think so. <clears throat> but this isn't a basketball podcast, is it? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> we'll do that next week. We'll do a basketball podcast. But today we're going to talk about a really cool topic because it's been kind of a hot topic all across the hobby for months and months and months, really all of 2020 and even late last year. And that's just crazy prices. I mean, haven't you seen just everybody talking about this? That's all people want to talk about? It's It's been a subject that has been discussed a lot. Yes, in the hobby. And almost, <laughs> almost ad nauseum, right? And there's right. no retail and yada, yada. I mean, I've even done videos on it. You know, we've all talked about it. But what I want to talk about tonight that I think is an important distinction is is it happening everywhere across the card market? Is it really? And and we can, again, have a perception of what might be happening, but is there data to back that up? And hopefully I'm going to bring some data tonight to show that, or at least have a discussion about that. I don't want to give away that nobody will listen to the rest of the podcast if I tell them what the, the conclusion is, right? Yeah, you can't, you can't give a conclusion this early. Yeah, it'd be too early. And besides, you and I, you know, we're not the only ones that, have maybe some thoughts on this subject. So I got us a guest tonight. Who do you have in mind? Well, I, I tried like 10 other guys. And so I was left with one guy that I thought might be able to contribute something meaningful and productive. And it's so Obviously, meaning and productive, meaningful and productive, just left the room, and yeah, I got my money on the heat. <laughs> then you're gonna lose that money. <laughs> I bet the house on the heat. Do you, do you want to do a podcast, Joe, about vintage baseball cards or? <laughs> You know what's great about the guitar is like you just play like I only know how to play three chords. And it's like G, D, and C. 
and that and that's all you really need to know. Like, and you can play like thousands of songs. It's great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I want to do a, a podcast. Okay. Which uh, which song was that? Uh, that was like the uh, the Heat are gonna win. Let's go Heat. Let's go Heat. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank God there's editing. <laughs> You're going to edit me out. A true well, lyric, man. Maybe that part. It would be weird if you edited me out because then, like, you'd be like talking to nobody. What, what Andy's a nobody? What no, I mean, about? like, right now, it would seem like, like, if you edited me out, like, it wouldn't make any sense because you'd be like, oh, here's, I'm bringing on this guy. And then you, then, Anyway. It's probably not going to make any sense anyway. We slide. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, since yeah. since I know you're a YouTube guy, you can put the guitar down now. We're going to actually talk serious stuff. Okay. All right. All right. I'm putting it down until, uh, until uh, I get asked a question I don't like. I, I appreciate your talent, by the way. Thank you. Or lack thereof. <laughs> but. You know, I want everybody to kind of know you that it is maybe just listening to this on a podcast and don't know who silver jackify is everybody on YouTube that's watching this will certainly know who you are, but why don't you tell everybody kind of what your background is in making content and collecting and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So I, I, uh, been doing, uh, YouTube videos for like six or seven years. And, uh, I remember when I first started doing videos, I, I only did it because I was like, there's got to be somebody else on this planet that collects baseball cards besides me. And uh, the cool thing is I did a video and then like, I got like thousands of views of people just having the same um, interest as I did, which was awesome. And uh, I think people like my channel because they can see that I have a passion for sports cards. And um, if you guys have seen my channel, I, you know, I'm, I, I try to collect a little bit of everything when it comes, especially when it comes to baseball cards. I mean, I've, Lately, I've been branching a little bit outside of baseball just to have um, a little bit of everything. But like my my focus with my collection is just having like the best cards of all time. You know, like you know everything from the eighteen eighty eight Goodwin Champions uh, Cap Anson to the nineteen fifty two Topps Mickey Mantle to the two thousand nine Bowman Chrome Mike Trout. Like I want to own a piece of history. Uh, you know when it comes to modern to vintage. Um, so I, I, and I love collecting. So, and I love sharing it with people. So it's been, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this particular podcast, because you are heavy into vintage. You're heavy into, and I don't want this to sound silly, but you buy really nice stuff, high end stuff. You know, when you buy a card, you, it's a big boy card. It's, and you also do modern. So you're, you're, as ingrained as I, as a person that I know that kind of is in both worlds, whereas most collectors yeah. are either modern, they might dabble in vintage or your vintage that predominantly, and you might dabble in modern, but I think you're a great example of somebody who is in touch with all of it. And so yeah. here you are as a subject matter, matter expert on that. Do you think you can live up to the challenge? <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I don't think I could love that challenge, but I will try. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm, I, I say this on my channel all the time that uh, I try to do, you know, in order to justify 
you know, uh, spending big money, money on cards. Like I try to look at, you know, as, as a collector, but also as somebody that, you know, and I don't know if I'll ever sell my cards, but I, I like to know that if I do decide to sell it, or if I want to pass it down to my kids or my grandkids, that they'll have a really nice collection, you know? And so I, I've always been a, a collector, you know, you know, half, collector and half investor. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, maybe I am a good uh, person for this subject because I, um, I actually pay close attention to uh, cards that uh, are interesting to me, but also that I think will have long-term value um, over time. So whether that be, a, and that, and I'm not discriminate, I do not discriminate between modern and vintage. I, I understand uh, both uh, pieces of it. And I, I like both vintage and modern cards uh, very much. So I, it's um, so I, hopefully I could add some value to that discussion. I don't know if you guys have both noticed, but I had something happen to me the other day that I thought, okay, this is the beginning of the end. I was watching someone's YouTube video and there's commercials, right? And one of the commercials that came up was a website company that they're talking about investing in sports cards and it was a commercial for their website on how to invest in sports cards if you're a sneakerhead and how to go invest in sport i was like okay now that there's commercials about this like not just videos on youtube but literally a commercial i'm like okay that's is, wow is that the company mike i don't know if it's the same company but i know there's a company out there and they're buying up high-end cards and they're basically selling pieces of the card yeah that's a different company no it wasn't the same that's called collectible we actually here on bench clear did a video a tie interviewed their ceo a couple of last week or something but different deal but it that's it's the same idea right and so let's just start with a very simple question to both of you andy you may i'll let you answer first have you noticed the vintage card and particularly we're talking about baseball. Let's just stick it with baseball. Have you noticed prices going up markedly? I don't know if I would necessarily say I have across the board, but on a, a few key cards that I've been watching, I would say definitely in a couple of cases I have, but I don't, I don't know for sure if I would say it has across the board. Okay. Joe, how would you answer that question? Um, when it comes to vin so obviously we've seen an incredible spike, uh, in sports cards. Um, we've seen an, 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 uh, an insane spike, like I've never seen before in especially like, um, football and basketball and soccer cards, like non-baseball cards. The, you know, the, the nice thing about baseball cards is, is that They've they've gone up, but they haven't like spiked and then like dropped. Like what we saw with the basketball cards is that they went crazy high, and then uh, some cards took a, a, a really nice hit. Um, with baseball, it's been sort of it's been pretty steady. <clears throat> uh, modern cards, at least from what I've seen, um, have really taken a, a a big jump, but nothing like insane like I've seen in football and some of the other you know sports. Vintage has been very um, underwhelming, I guess. Uh, vintage baseball, I should say. Vintage 
basketball and football have have gone up incredibly. But vintage, the interesting thing is that vintage baseball, um, not that it's not that it's gone down or anything, but it's just been a kind of a slow increase during this time. Like nothing, you know, like you, it's almost like the MLB vintage market forgot that you know there was this boom. Um, like it, the boom occurred for everything else besides for vintage MLB. I, I, so it's, it's that, that's what I've, at least what I've observed. Yeah. My take on it is being that that's pretty much all I kind of hunt for. And I'm looking for the problem with the way I collect and maybe most collectors are like this. Once I buy a card, XYZ card, I don't go look at it later. Right. I've, I've bought it. So the, the cards I'm mainly looking at are cards that I want to add to my collection. So like, I can't tell you if a card I bought six months ago has gone up in value, quite frankly, but the stuff that I'm now searching for is significantly higher priced than it was before. Cause you can only buy so much at any given time. Right. So there's always this <clears throat> man, I'm looking for these cards that I want. And I pick something else because that's what I can do. And, I, and then I look back and I go, God, I wish I would have bought the other card, you know, six months ago. And I'm sure we've all had that type of FOMO, regret, whatever you want to call it. So I would say it's going up. When do you guys, if 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 indeed we agree that it's at least a slow burn going up or, or something, you know, there is something going on in the vintage card market that's different. When do you guys think that kind of got started? In terms of timeline, do you think it's similar to the modern boom that we've seen? I mean, I, I think back to, <clears throat> I believe it was like, what, 2015 or 16? I know like a lot of the the key rookie cards from the 50s and 60s went up pretty dramatically during that point. Um, as far as the recent boom, like I said, like, I guess I don't, I don't necessarily look at I guess the vintage market as a whole, probably as much as you guys do. Like I just look at like certain key cards and I've, I've noticed um, certain key cards, you know, like Hank Aaron, Willie May, guys like that. I've noticed some of their stuff, especially the rookie cards have gone up quite a bit. And I would assume that that's probably true for a lot of those key rookies, but you, you guys probably paid more attention to um, the entire market as a whole, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to put it in perspective, I guess. Um, the fifty-four tops Hank Aaron. I remember walking into a card store, a local card store. And I think it was three years ago. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. And um, you know, I remember walking into the store, and it was a a, a PSA four beautifully centered PSA four. you guys have, I'm sure have seen the Hank Aaron rookie that I have. Um, and it's kind of a funny story. Cause I, I remember I walked in, I saw the card and um, I think it was, I think you wanted like 600 for it. And um, I remember I offered like 500 and um, I ended up the, the guy, the person at the card store ended up having to call the actual owner. And they basically said, no, <laughs> they weren't interested in selling it and they actually pulled it off the shelf. Um, and then I came back a couple weeks later and they had it for 800 
Uh, so I ended, I ended up going back to the same exact store and I ended up buying it for uh, eight. I think it was 800. It might've been actually less than that, like 750 or something like that. And at the time I couldn't, I was like, I can't believe I just spent like 750, $800 on a, like on a, on a card. Like it was, it was a lot of money at the time. I was like, that's, that's, a, you know, 750, 800 bucks. <clears throat> and now I look back at that and I'm like, wow, I wish I would have bought, you know, more like, so even though like, um, and, and if, if you if you look at that card now, um, a, a Hank Garen, like a perfectly centered Hank Garen in a in a four, probably would go between three to four thousand um, dollars, and that's only in like a you know a three year period or three or four year period, and um, you know it, it's it's amazing. Like and you know I, and and one of the things that I've been kind of saying on my channel is I think that I actually think that the Hank Aaron card, the rookie card is actually pretty undervalued. Um, you know, especially when you see like, you know, LeBron James rookie cards going for $10,000, a million dollars. Uh, Mike Trout, I mentioned his 09 Bowman Chrome auto going for tens of thousands of dollars. And you, and you look at a 54 tops Hank Aaron, like a beautiful version of the card. Um, I know it's only a four, but <clears throat> has great eye appeal. Looks like a great card. Like the fact that it only, it's only a three thousand dollar card, to me, is still kind of undervalued. But with that, all that being said, it it has gone up a lot. I mean, like to go from like any type of investment, you know, that if, if you would have you know put your money into stock or mutual funds um, three or four years ago and have that you know that investment go from eight hundred dollars to four thousand dollars, you'd be pretty damn happy. So it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's like, <laughs> I, it's like, um, you know, vintage cards, they've gone up a lot, but I still feel like they, especially on, uh, for MLB, at least that's my opinion, that there's many cards that are still undervalued. Do you agree with that, Andy? Yeah, I would say for sure. And that's, that's the one that he's talking about. The Hank Aaron's definitely one of them. I think we've talked about the Hank Aaron rookie on every episode at some point with it. You and I have been on just because it's one of those. We think that's a card that is undervalued and certainly one of those key cards that everybody kind of should have in their collection. There's there's a bunch of them. That's just one of them. Yeah. So do you have a valuable card collection, but you put zero effort into storage? Do you keep your cards in a box like this or like this? Something like this, this. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> what are we doing here? You need Pastime Marketplace. Pastime Marketplace is the Mercedes-Benz of sports card storage. The cases come in a variety of sizes. They're waterproof, airtight, dustproof, and extremely durable. If you care about your collection, visit PastimeMarketplace.com and treat your cards to the storage they deserve. Don't forget to use discount code BENCHCLEAR to get 10% off your order. Welcome back, if anybody's still listening. Thinking about, okay, Joe, you're talking about so the last few years. I've seen it more in the last probably two years that I've really seen prices start to get, I wouldn't call it out of control, but certainly on the rise. But I don't think, and this is the next question I want to throw out to you guys, I don't think it's commensurate with the rise that we've seen in modern. Do you guys think it's anything similar or it's completely different? Um, I mean, no, I don't think it's the same. And kind of like what Joe pointed out 
earlier, it's it's been more of a slow rise. It's been more slow and steady. Like it hasn't just been like, you know, 10x overnight, like a lot of the stuff in basketball and football and even modern baseball has done. So I think it's been it's been more of a, a natural growth. And <clears throat> I'm not sure how many of the new people that have that have came into the hobby that have, you know, been a part of the big rise in a lot of those modern prices are participating in the vintage markets. That would be that would be something interesting to know. I mean, I don't know if there's any way to really say for sure if they are or they're not, but it would it would it would go to you would go to think that if they they were participating in the vintage market heavily, then it would have done kind of the same thing in baseball. Yeah. I have a theory on that. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say that, like, um, I think the nice thing about, you know, especially vintage baseball, if, if, you know, since that's sort of what we're focusing on right now, like vintage baseball, I think the beauty of it is that it, it um, it's, it's much more established, you know, than a lot of these other markets. Like, like the, the beauty of, of MLB baseball vintage cards is you don't have to worry about as much of these sharp, in, you know, increases and sharp decreases. It's just a nice, steady kind of like the 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 market has been established for so long, and there's so many people that are that are true collectors that you're not going to see the the. I don't know. Sometimes it scares me personally. Like I, I don't like ha- that I have so many cards in modern baseball cards because it's, it scares me sometimes because I I don't know what is going to happen day to day, you know, like, you know, on top of the fact that, you know, at any point a player can, you know, tear an ACL and that'll end their career. Forget about that fact for a second, but like, you know, Acuna and Tatis and their cards are going all over the place. Like a guy will have a, you know, a great season like Acuna and his cards are down. Um, but the nice thing with, with vintage baseball is that they're they're nice and steady, you know. Like a, I, I don't. I looked at the cards that I have, the vintage cards that I have <coughs> since June, and and they're up about ten percent since June, which is nice. It's a nice increase, um, but it's not like the beauty of it is that you don't, um, you know. Maybe it's it's not going to see the same kinds of in- increases that you may see in. Other markets, maybe the opportunities aren't as uh, tantalizing, but the um, the beauty is that you don't have to worry as much about the card going from a you know a ten thousand dollar card to a three thousand dollar card the next day. So, some, something I wanted to point out. Yeah, and that that's definitely part of the theory that I was going to throw out there. <laughs> the vintage market much more. Let's use the word stable, right? And then. I think it's because the vintage players can't do anything to hurt their card values anymore. They can't break their leg or tear an ACL or throw out their arm and get Tommy John surgery or any of that. And so their story has been told. Whereas on modern, these guys' stories are unfolding good and bad, right? You see both sides of that. And so you see these giant spikes. I just don't understand for the life of me. And this is kind of an aside comment if you'd like how a a modern players rookie cards or any cards autos whatever can be worth as much as a mickey mantle or a hank aaron or willie mays or whoever steve carlton or any hall i'm just going wait a second these guys are two totally like you got 
well-established and they only had like one card. They had a tops card. So it's not like you're having to figure out which brand to buy or which rookie to have, or which one's more important than the other. Uh, you got one card to choose from and you know, I, I just don't, it, it boggles my mind that people pay what they pay for these modern cards, especially the higher ends, you know, the bigger cards uh, compared to modern or compared to vintage. It, yeah, to me, the, the baseball card values have never made any sense. Um, it, it's impossible to figure it out. I've, I've actually thought about doing some sort of video where I kind of, you know, take you know, grab somebody that doesn't know sports cards that well, but maybe knows baseball pretty well, and just kind of put like two cards side by side, you know, maybe put like a Ronald Acuna Sapphire next to a Mickey Mantle. And be and ask him, well, which which card do you think is worth more? And of course, he's going to be like, the, obviously, the Mickey Mantle. And I'm going to be like, no, it's the Acuna. Um, just to kind of and then just kind of do that, like throughout you know the whole video of just comparing two cards next to each other because it it doesn't make any sense. Like um, it's it's impossible to figure out. Um, I think people get like certain cards get overhyped just randomly. Um, so it, to try to figure it out, it, it you know. It, it to try to rationalize it is almost impossible. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I think, and we, we kind of talked about this, but I, th I just think the the vintage market is it's a more mature market as far as it's it's been it's been established for a while, and I think some of these new modern markets and even the vintage football and basketball are relatively new. As far, I mean, it's it's weird to say vintage football and basketball would be new, but like up until just like the last couple of years, nobody really cared that much about it. Not the way people did about vintage baseball. So people are just now trying to, I guess, trying to establish the values for some of those cards. You know, they seem like they were undervalued for a long time, so they shoot way up. And then they're like, well, now they're overvalued, so they go back down. And I think the prices for the vintage baseball have kind of, you know, they've kind of leveled off over time. Right. Where there's kind of a norm to it. Well, that, it, it, just a um, one of the cards that I've had my eye on lately is the um, the Jim Brown rookie card. You know, because you guys know I've, I've been trying to grab some of the goats of of all time in each sport. And um, what scares me is, you know, if I buy it at the price that it's at right now, is it like I'm actually worried about buying a vintage card because it like it may drop because I know it's gone up a lot. Um, and you know, the, what worries me right now, especially with, you know, cards outside of major league baseball, um, if I buy a card, like a vintage card, has it gone up too much and now I'm buying it at the peak and then it's going to start dropping. And I'm like, wow, like I could have saved myself a couple of thousand dollars by just waiting a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Um, so I guess the nice thing about, at least with vintage baseball is I, I feel like there's so many established collectors in the market that you're not going to see these spikes um, up or down. Um, and it, it's a little, it's a little bit safer, you know? So there's a common saying, I guess, at least that I hear sometimes. And I think about this all the time when I'm making a decision, whether or not to buy a card today about this, the same process that you're going through right now, Joe, with the Jim Brown, yeah. Today's seemingly high price is tomorrow's discount because 
the slow burn of that is going, you're going to look a year back and you're going, dang it. Shoot. Even the Aaron you bought, you went back, what, a few weeks later, a couple I, months later, and you had to pay $200 more than yep. you, if you would have just paid is you wouldn't have quote unquote been so cheap and just paid the $600, you would have had the card I know. and you've been like, all right. And you would have still felt at the time that you, God, I can't believe I just paid $600 for a Hank Aaron rookie. Right. Now yeah. we look and go, God, that was brilliant. You know, yeah. uh, and I think that's kind of true across the board, but in terms of vintage, but I also think, and this is the next topic I want to cover, is it just in the high end or is it, and, and when I say high end, I'm talking about kind of investment grade, you know, higher graded either key rookie cards or key cards of vintage players, Hall of Fame players, et cetera, or is it happening no matter what you know are all hank aaron rookies for example going up or is it just the high graded ones or is it only hank aaron rookies are going up but his fourth and fifth and eighth year cards aren't really doing that much do you guys what's your all's opinion on that um i would say from what i've noticed like the rookie cards of some of those key Hall of Fame players, to me, it, it looks like they've been going up in pretty much all grades because, you know, if you're if you're a person that wants to buy like a five or a six, once they've eclipsed a certain point, well, you're like, well, I have to start looking at fours, threes and fours. And then as more and more people do that, the prices of those go up and it just kind of, you know, trickles down. Um, that's a good question on the, you know, like the second, third, fourth, fifth year, 10th year. I don't. I'm not sure about that kind of stuff. I haven't paid close to a lot of a lot of those cards, so I'll, I'll pass that along to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I was saying to Mike earlier that um, yeah, so some of the, the 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 big name guys have actually done really well, at least from what I've seen. Like uh, you know, Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron. You know, you, you know the list. Clemente. Yeah. Like no matter what card you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, it doesn't really matter what card it could be. It doesn't have to be the rookie card, that's for sure. Um, I know I was actually looking earlier at, you know, I just sort sorted my the cards that I own. Um, the card that went up the most for me percentage wise was the fifty nine tops Mickey Mantle that I have. Um, and that's an eight, right? Yeah, yeah. I have it at an eight, but it is, it, it's not a rookie card. Um, it's a uh, 59 tops. I mean, it's, it's a really high end card, <laughs> but, um, you know, I do think that you need to be careful with buying, you know, cards of guys that I don't know, it, it you know, especially like the lower end kind of like semi stars, um i don't know I, I just i don't you know i don't know if those cards will like after a while do you like do, do people kind of forget about some of these some like no one's ever going to forget about mickey Mantle and hank aaron and clemente and all those guys we just talked about but some of these lower end uh semi stars that you know as people get older and i don't know I, i'd be worried about um the value of some of those lower end cards uh long term as you know as people get older and you know and die off from covid <laughs> that's kind of a morbid wow thing. that was a little too soon i think <laughs> but 
Do you, but you know what I mean, right? Like, you're, yeah, you're, so you're saying like a, a tenth year Raleigh fingers and a you know, no one's gonna really is that really gonna have any appreciate? First of all, nobody appreciates it now, they're not right. gonna appreciate it any more than they do today <laughs> in the future, right? It's like, it's well, like my, my dad collects 1952 tops cards and. You know, he he'll he'll buy like, you know, just like mid grade common fifty-two tops guys that he remembers as a kid. And I'm like I'm like, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know if 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 he he's not concerned about the value of it, but I just don't know if that has any long term value. Cause like if it's a really, really high grade, like a PSA eight or PSA nine, okay, you know, but if we're talking about like a even a mid grade like common from that set, I, I, you know, I don't know, but then again, but then like maybe, you know, if, if it is like an iconic set, maybe it's, maybe it doesn't matter. Um, you know, like a 52 tops T206 set, there's always going to be collectors of that set. So, but some of the, uh, you know, other cards after 52 tops, um, I would be, you know, I, I don't know if, if they'll continue to raise, you know, rise in value over time. At least that's not what, you know, what I've seen is that they've kind of been pretty stagnant. Speaking of your dad, can I bring something up real quick? Um, one of our new sponsors sure. on this show is Pastime Marketplace. And Joe, when during Hobby Palooza, you won a Pastime Marketplace graded card case. And I, and I sent that to you and you were excited. And I think you had plans for it. And... Tell everybody what you did with that case because I think it's a great story. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I I, I love that case. Um, I already started putting my own cards in it. Um, but then my dad's birthday came up and I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, this would be the perfect gift for him. So I immediately had to start taking my cards <laughs> out of that case. And, uh, you know, I, I gave it to him for his birthday. He loved it. He like, uh, like I said, he, he collects 52 tops and, um, he, you know, went through the process then of, I go, I go, dad, only the best, the best of the best 52 tops cards are going to go in this case. And he's like, yep, I understand. So he went, you know, he spent, um, you know, some time just, you know, going through his, his best cards and, you know, putting his best cards in, in that case. And he, he loves it. He loves the, the case that uh, that I gave to him. So obviously not only are, are those cases great for your own collection, but they could also make uh, great gifts too. Well, great segue because, uh, you know, right now, if you want to go to pastimemarketplace.com, you can use the code BenchClear and you can get 10% off your first order. They are great. They are great. And uh, so for all your vintage cards that you might have slabbed or otherwise, Put them in something really cool. Go check out Pastime Marketplace. So thanks to them for sponsoring the show. Um, oh, you don't need to see my email. There's my email. Um, <laughs> so it's one thing for us to, to be talking about this, and we are all presenting what our opinions are, our observations of the vintage card market in terms of price appreciation, but let's, I think it's important to say, is it really happening? Like, we can think it's happening, but is it really happening? It's one thing to have a theory. And so what I did was I have to give huge props to, to Ty uh, on BenchClear. We have a lot of resources here, and Ty is great 
one of the reasons I love the bench clear team is we all kind of do different things and have different expertises. Is that a word? Expertises? I don't know, but I need a tie in my life. You do. We all do. And I I'm lucky enough to have one. And I said, Hey, Ty, I'm going to give you these 10 key cards or 10 cards. I just want you to go look at. And I looked at, uh, 51 Bowman, Mantle, Mays, 54 Aaron, 55 Koufax, for example, the 68 Bench, even a 75 George Brett rookie and 80 Tops Ricky Henderson rookie, just to kind of span the world of vintage. And I said, hey, give me some data, whatever you can pull to tell me, are they, is it going up or not? You know, are these prices going up? And so I'm, I'm going to, if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see this and I'm sharing my screen. And we'll, I want you guys to see what has happened over the last three months. Unfortunately, eBay data that's really good data only goes back about three months unless you've been storing it, so to speak. And since the first time I've asked Ty to do this. Let's I only see have, that data. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to show some data. So here is a 68 tops Johnny Bench. And what, what you have, great card, right? Everybody should have a 68 tops Johnny Bench, even though he's sharing it with Ron Tompkins. Uh, but that card, if you and, I, and what I did was I looked, I said, Ty, hey, give me the great, give me what an eight's been doing and what a five has been doing. Cause you, you got the high end of that card and then kind of the middle ground of that card. So when we look at this chart, you can see back in July, the card has gone up dramatically and stayed there uh kind of had a little bit of fluctuation but not a ton versus a five that's really stayed the same does anything about this surprise either one of you looking at this chart not at all no i can't really, I can't really say that it is that surprising because and the reason i would say that is because i think that the, the age right now is still relatively affordable enough to where I don't think there's going to be much movement in a five yet until the, and maybe if the eight got higher then there you'd see some more movement in the lower. Well, yeah, I think what you said, Andy, what you said earlier, I think is spot on. You get the higher people get priced out of the higher grades. Everybody would love to own the highest. Like if, who are we kidding? We'd all love to own tens. Well, we can't. So we, we go, where where's our price point? What can we afford? As those get bought up at those price points that drives the prices higher, you have to drop your grade expectations of what you can afford. I think that's an absolute trickle-down effect. You mentioned it, Annie, and it's I think it's exactly what's happening and I think will continue to happen. But, Joe, your thoughts? I just want to say nice job to Andy. Yeah, good theory. <laughs> no, it just I'll makes total sense, right? No, I mean, whoever bought that card on July 29th, he's the man. Look at that. Right. Yeah. That guy, that guy's perfect timing. And that's like, that's what it's all about is, uh, you know, buying a card at the right time. Um, you know, because you don't, you certainly don't want to be being the guy that spent 900 on September 27th. Yeah. So for those of you that can't see it, if you're listening to this on a podcast, July, late July, the card was selling between two and three hundred dollars. It's now selling currently around seven hundred dollars. So that's pretty good in a few months, right? Whereas the PSA five is between around one hundred and fifty bucks, and it's still around one hundred and fifty bucks. It hasn't really moved. 
let's look at the next card here. Uh, so here's a 75 tops George Brett. Woo! Uh, iconic card, no question. Even the guy that doesn't like to, us to use the word iconic card would say this is an iconic card because it's his favorite player. But this makes me want to buy a George Brett and a PSA 8. Okay, does it? So this, if you're not seeing this, it is literally like a <laughs> a yo-yo that the PSA 8 has been on from $350 all the way up to $650. Right now, currently, it looks like it's trading, or it's trading, selling in the 250 to 300 range. Wow. Versus, again, the 5 has been quite boring from a chart. It's almost a flat line. Andy, any any I, thoughts I, on that? Sorry. To, so, so I just want to like so one of the thing that this graph is obviously not miss that is missing that I mentioned to Mike earlier is that there are many different types of PSA eights, as you guys know. There could be a PSA like that. The one that sold for almost six hundred and fifty dollars. I'm guessing, without even looking at that card, that it is a perfectly centered card that looks much better than a PSA 8. And my guess is that the one that sold for $250 just recently probably looks horrible for a PSA 8. So while this data is, you know, it's interesting, <clears throat> the one thing that I have a problem with, and this comes with any vintage card, is as you guys know one of the things that i preach on my channel is buying the card and not the grade um and to be very careful i just want to remind viewers that just because it's a psa 8 um take everything into take uh, aesthetics into account um i would rather spend overspend for a psa 8 that's perfectly centered a beautiful looking card than uh, paying half the price for a card that I just don't like to have in my collection. That's way off center. That doesn't look like it's, it's deserving of that grade. So just, I just want to be very careful for, you know, cause some of these graphs can be very deceiving uh, because of the fact that not every PSA eight is the same. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, this this one, I mean, just looking at the chart without seeing, you know, like Joe said, any of the, you know, specific traits of each individual card that sold. I mean, it kind of looks like a mountain range. This one is like, I mean, it's all over the map. So, yeah, that's a little bit surprising to me. Like, I thought there would be, I mean, a little bit more consistency on this particular card. Um, but once again, like the PSA 5 is not really that surprising because this is still a relatively affordable card if you're looking you know if you're looking at vintage rookies sure. so I, I have a question to you guys like will you guys pay a premium for a perfectly centered much better look looking card you know in a psa 8 or do you kind of like and, and what premium will you pay like what percentage premium are you willing to pay over you know like if there's let's say there's two cards on ebay both are PSA eights, but one is, you know, perfect. And one of them is, you know, uh, what percentage premium are you paying? Or, or do you look at PSA, each PSA eight as kind of equal? 
Go yeah, ahead. I definitely take that into consideration. Um, because and it's kind of like what you said, Joe, like I don't want to have a card in my collection that every time I look at it, I'm like, gosh, I wish this thing was centered a little bit better. Because I mean, stuff like that, it, it really bothers me. Like when I look at stuff like that, a card that's like really bad off centered, like I don't care what the number on it says, like because that's the first thing I look at. And yeah, I'll definitely pay a premium. I mean, like I would. I would much rather have like a very nicely centered like two or three than I would like an off centered six even. So yeah, I mean it's yep. it's big for me. Yep. But you guys have to admit there's probably some collectors out there that are saying, "Man, I'd love to." We'd all love again. We'd all love to have the high grade, perfectly centered, beautiful cards. But some guys are going, "Man, I I really want an eight, but I can't afford to pay that." perfectly centered premium, whatever that is, 20%, 30%. Well, that, I, well that, that's what, where, I, where I would disagree. I'd say I'd say buy the PSA 5 because I guarantee you can find a PSA 5 that's perfectly centered, that looks better than the PSA 8. I've seen that many times where I see a, a PSA 5 or a 6 that looks better than a PSA 8. And then I would tell you that, yes, that makes sense. But if you're talking about, especially with PSA, right? You got set registry people that want that eight, that they want that number. And we all agree, there's no question in this room as we're talking, buy the card, not the grade. Yeah, We all agree with that. But there are people out there that buy the grade regardless of the card. They're buying the number. And so that person might be looking at, at a off-centered eight. It's still an eight and they're just going to buy it. and Or it's, it's an affordability issue. You know, there's probably some combination of all of those things. But let's look at the next card real quick. Uh, 80 tops Ricky Henderson. Now that I'm seeing this data, and I think Joe and I talked about this earlier, I wish I would have used maybe a 9 or a 10 to look at a Henderson because 8s and Henderson are not hard to come by. You know, they're not rare. Uh, so this chart, which looks like a, a, a relatively steady – it's not like a flat line, but it's certainly not moving. It's in within a relatively tight range on what an eight goes for. And the five is literally within five or $10. So, by the way, speaking of cards that are undervalued, the Ricky Henderson rookie? Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what, what's your grade on your Henderson rookie, Joe? I think I have a PC, PSA eight. I wish I, I, I should, I should get something. <laughs> That I mean, Ricky's the the greatest leadoff hitter of all time. So, so as soon as we get done with this podcast, Joe's going to go to eBay <laughs> and buy a PSA nine Ricky Henderson rookie. The problem is I have two of his rookies, but so it's like it's hard to justify buying a third. <laughs> and you guys know the difference between on this kind of stuff, a nine and a ten is literally like twenty x or I mean, it's it's so much different. A nine is X dollars and a 10 is a nine probably. I, I mean, last time I checked, a nine was probably around a thousand and a 10 is probably, you know, the price of a car. Yep. Right. <laughs> sure. So it, the Henderson's maybe not, it, it's interesting, but I, again, I wish I would have done it different. The it's, We're looking at a 51 Bowman Mantle now. This graph is just sad. <laughs> it, it's only sad because there haven't been very many sales. There's only a couple of dots on the 
Although I wouldn't mind having a PSA five worth eighteen thousand dollars. Well, that that's one of those cards though that I think people they're very reluctant to sell, even even in a hot market because that's one of those cards that a lot of people are going to want. People coming in are going yep. to want that card. Yeah, and when you get down into the older vintage and the kind of mid to low grades, then that spectrum of of quality of each grade goes up that Joe was talking about earlier in terms of not, especially like a five on the Bowman mantle. They're all over the place in terms of just pure eye appeal aesthetics, you know, very, very crazy spectrum of the way those cards can look. We've, you got both have that card. I do. Yeah. Okay. I knew, What's your grade, Joe. I have it in a SGC three. Okay. Um, but it's again, I will say that I think it looks better than the grade. It's it's perfectly centered. I should I should have it right now, but I don't. But, so I can show you. But I, I I try to go for especially with vintage uh, cards. I always try to go for the card and not the grade. It's funny because when it comes to modern cards, I go for the grade and not the card. Right. Because they're all tens. Yeah, I'm not buying a nine of some <laughs> of a modern card. I'm getting a ten. <laughs> but when it comes to vintage, I'm actually a little bit. I care more about the card and not the grade. Let's look at a fifty-one Bowman Maze in a five, and you can see that that card has certainly in the last month gone uh, gone from around the forty-five hundred to five thousand dollar range. And now it's pushing seven thousand dollars, so it's almost doubled, uh, up like eighty percent in the last month. I think that's directly because Andy and I talked about Maze and with Eric those back pages a few episodes ago about how important it is to buy his cards. I think about that time that spike happened. Don't you think, Andy? That seems about right time wise. Um, well, I mean, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, if if that is the case, I think we would probably both agree that Eric would probably get most of the credit for that. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, but I think the fifty-one Bowman Willie Mays is undervalued as well. Now, this is a chart that makes total sense to me because you know recently we've we've lost a couple of the the living legends in baseball. And I think that, you know, people are, you know, they're starting to think about some of these guys that are a little bit older, their health maybe isn't that great. And, you know, they're, they're wanting to pick something up of them while they're still with us. So this one makes total sense to me. This chart does. Any thoughts, Joe, do you have a 51 Bowman maze? Yes. Oh, and, uh, a perfect example. I have this one in a three, but um, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's not, it's not like uh, it, it's a, I think it's a three or a four, but it's not the nicest looking card. So it's a perfect example of, um, you know, sometimes you regret some of, some of your purchases because you just, you don't like the way it looks. So, um, but I, I agree. It's, it's a, it's, it's undervalued. Now we're looking at a 54 tops Hank Aaron, the card we talked have been talking about a lot 
or using as an example. PSA 8s obviously are becoming, and it might be harder to find them, I guess, right? People are kind of buying them and putting them kind of in the vault. And I, I, <laughs> go ahead, Joe. What's going on with this graph? I mean, so somebody, well, so so there was a PSA eight that sold for less than a PSA five. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Look, I just showing the data. I didn't gather the data. So that, that is a that's an odd outlier for sure. Right. Let's let's probably assume that something's goofy there, or. All right, we'll just move on to the next card. How about that? Here's a Kofax rookie. Uh, kind of similar vein to the Maze in terms of still with us, living legend. So you've seen his higher end rookie cards go up in value, right? Yep. Not surprising. Um, I, I wanted to look also at like a kind of mid-career card of Mantle because we all know that kind of mantle is the king of the vintage card market. There's no denying it, even though he was a Yankee. Uh, that was a jab at Joe, by the way, like directly across the bow. So here's a 56 tops mantle, which is, I think one of the coolest cards ever made is the 56 tops mantle. It's, it's in my top 10 of favorite cards ever. And, uh, the PSA eights kind of stayed pretty steady, and, and so is the five. You haven't really seen a spike in that, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You haven't seen a a, a noticeable movement upwards in one, that type of a card. The one thing I, I keep seeing with these graphs, though, um, is what I was saying before. Unfortunately, I, you know, is that um, I'm seeing the lower end stuff. Um, kind of like this, you know, just kind of a, like a, a line that kind of doesn't really go up, doesn't really go down. And then the higher end stuff, you know, just keeps going up. Um, and maybe it's not a significant amount, although that Hank Aaron we saw on the previous slide um, went way up. Um, it's just, it, it just, it, it's, it's unfortunate, I guess sometimes, because it's like, some of the like the upper upper echelon cards just keep going up and up and up um and it's just and the the cards that are kind of just in the middle are just kind of you know you know like it's just sort of what we're seeing like we, we like we're seeing the same stuff we've seen for the last 40 years <laughs> you know where can you imagine like if you look at a beckett from 50 you know and you look at the 52 mantle and you know, it's just gone from like, you know, a $10,000 card to like a $1 million card. And while at the same time, you know, the rest of the cards in the set have, are are almost like, the, like if you especially look at the commons, they're the same price in the Beckett that I looked at in 1992 as they are today. <laughs> like there's not much that has changed in terms of value. It's just, it's just crazy. Like um, how some of these just, upper tier cards just keep going up it's, it's crazy yeah here we go <laughs> bob gibson I, I wanted this card to be included because of his most re you know he passed away recently i was trying to get a little bit of the kind of death spike which sounds really maybe not the right way to say that but it it's happened 
but I think that was already happening. I mean, he passed away, what, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago? Maybe not even that long. Yeah, I don't think it was that long ago. But by the time this episode airs, it'll be a couple of weeks. So I don't have great current data, but the eight has gone from a $400 card to a $1,800 card in the last three months. And the five, you see that last little spike there at the end is, Yay. you know, it's a, it's a $600 card. And Joe, I know you have it in a six, the Gibson rookie. And it's selling for what, around a thousand now? Yeah, I just saw it. You know, what you always see that little spike. Well, it'll probably go back down a little bit. There's always like that after somebody passes away where it goes up, you know, uh, substantially, but then it kind of comes back down, but it'll never go back down to where it was. Um, it'll always, you know. So, what'd you pay for that card? The uh, you bought it recently. Yeah, I think I paid 600. Okay. And so now it's going for a thousand, but I assume that that was what, like, that was kind of a one-off and it'll kind of come back down again. So uh, kind of getting towards the end of our talk, our time here. And I, I want to, can we, is any of that like conclusive? Are we, are we able to draw any conclusions from what we just saw in those graphs? And for those of you listening on the podcast, there was some, meaningful increases i'd like i wish i had better data in terms of going back a year or 18 months ago that would be i think would pretty nice if i provided better data well <laughs> I don't, i'm not gonna blame I, I gave ty like a day's notice here's what i want you to do can you can you do this and he goes yeah i can pull it off and he did so i'm i'm just grateful that he did it at all it's pretty solid but if you think as we finish up kind of last thoughts I'd love to hear from each of you is the near term and kind of long term future of what you think vintage card prices are going to do. Where, where do you think we're heading? Um, okay, so first off, like the, going back to the graphs for just a second, like to me, just looking at the data from the last three months, and the, the, the big discrepancy between, you know, like the eights and the fives, to me, that looks like the eights are probably going more they're more to people that are coming in to invest and the fives are probably more collectors. So I think that's why there's such a dramatic increase with the eights as opposed to the fives. Um, I would expect the vintage baseball market to kind of continue what it has done for many, many years and be just more of a slow and steady burn because I think just, I think more than any other, place in sports cards it's just it has more norms established already so what do you think the future holds? just continue same i think, yeah, I think it's going kind of to be kind of slow and steady like it has been okay joseph yeah i mean i i think uh i I've, i don't want to sound like a broken record but yeah i think that these vintage cards um if if it's a high high grade um, in, in a superstar player, um, those cards are going to continue to go up incredibly as we've seen. And I don't think that that's going to change anytime soon. Um, I think that the beauty in vintage cards, um, is that they are, the, the market is, you don't have to worry about them, you know, climbing incredibly or declining, you know, it's, it's, 
the nice thing is you're, it's almost like you're investing in like a treasury bond. It's just you know, every year it goes up 5%. It's not very exciting. It just kind of goes up a little bit over time. And that's, the, you know, the, I don't know, like it depends on the type of, you know, uh, collector investor you are, if, if that's something that you're interested in. Um, I know, I know for me, like I look at my baseball cards as like a portfolio, you know, like that you would, you know, uh, I have a little bit of like higher, high risk, you know, modern stuff that I like to have, but I also like to have the, 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 the core, you know, vintage blue chip type stuff that, um, may not go up incredibly, but I know every year it'll go up, you know, five to 10%. You know, those Mickey, like you can't go wrong with a Mickey Mantle or a Willie Mays or a Hank Aaron or whoever, whatever legendary Hall of Famer you want to go with in vintage. Um, I'm pretty safe in um, in buying and feeling. And the cool thing is that with vintage baseball is especially you don't have to worry about it. Like especially even with like vintage football and some of the other sports, there's the, the market is still kind of figuring itself out. So you could end up like paying way more than you need to on a card and it goes way down. Whereas with baseball, you, you, you don't have to worry about that as much. It's, it's like, you're going to, you're going to buy, you're going to spend your money on that particular card. You don't have to worry about it. You know, you spend a thousand dollars and then a couple weeks later, it's worth a couple hundred dollars. You know, it's, it'll go up a little bit it'll go up a little bit more. Um, I do think one thing I haven't mentioned um, is that I, I do think that there's a lot of new collectors in the hobby. And when you have new collectors in the hobby, I don't know about you guys, but when you, when you get back into the hobby, you don't buy a vintage, you know, Hank Aaron rookie, right? So the first thing you do is maybe you buy a box at Target, you know, like Blaster Box. And then you go, ah, oh, you know what? Like I opened up a box and I didn't hit the Luis Robert rookie. So you go and maybe you go on eBay and you buy a Luis Robert. I think as as some of these new collectors that have come into the hobby, as they get a little bit um, more familiar and they get a little more comfortable with, with you know, I think they're going to start wanting some more of the vintage stuff. So I, I actually am pretty bullish on some of, like, on vintage cards in baseball because I think as some of these new guys that are, you know, flipping and as they become less about flipping and more about collecting i think that they will start to venture towards so yeah i think that's i I saw andy leave for a second (laughs) yeah i think that's totally possible joe because as we all it's i think we can all say that when we started like i didn't collect vintage a i couldn't either a afford it or b know anything about it and feel confident in doing it as these collectors season and age in their hobby, they're going to go, you know what? I want a few of the finer things. Right. And that might look like them buying vintage cards more, which could drive up prices. You know, not, I don't think again, you're going to see spikes like you see in the modern market. So to me, the long, long long-term future of vintage prices is (coughs) great. I I just think you're going to be, you're never going to be unhappy that you bought vintage. I don't think if you're buying kind of anything really um but it's been a focus of mine for years now and it's not that you can't enjoy the hobby a whole lot of different ways but joe you mentioned it earlier you have a little bit of everything and you like kind of the and the vintage stuff's just cool too right it's cool to say you own a card that's 70 years old or 
a hundred plus years old or there's there's some cool factor to that that it's hard to quantify but it's definitely there and uh you know yeah. joe you said you didn't want to sound like a broken record earlier but man i heard you singing earlier and any record that you made would get broken <laughs> let me tell you what's that uh, you want me to break out the guitar again i do not want you to break out the guitar again in fact if you smashed the guitar that would not in honor of eddie van halen passing away you could you know oh my god andy as as joe serenades us off into the sunset tonight yeah. final thoughts andy, I'm <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's about baseball. <laughs> hey, Joe, where can people find you, man, on uh, all the social media world that's out there? Uh, I, you know, I've tried Instagram and others. I just, I'm on YouTube. Silver and what's Jackify. your channel name? Silver Jackify. Silver Jackify. Yeah, it's like spelled just like you would think it's spelled. Right, Silver Jackify. Even though my name's Joe, like I'm not. My name's Joe. <laughs> People call me Jack sometimes, but it's Joe. Well, Joe, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate it. Is this your podcast debut? I think so. Yeah. It's my, okay. I think I was on Mike O's uh, podcast once, so I guess not. Uh, well, <laughs> I always like being second. <laughs> yeah. First loser. Second's better than third, right? <laughs> uh, but, Joe, seriously, thanks for your not. I mean, I, I appreciate what you bring to the hobby, what you, your knowledge and your experience. And it's, uh, it's been good. It's been fun to talk about. And, uh, Andy, as always, my friend, appreciate you, man. Good time, fellas. Good time. All right, guys, that's it. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode of the golden age of cardboard podcast till then. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs>